world we know is gone. No Google, no Amazon.com, no email, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Everybody get inside and watch your back for walkers. It's the Walking Dead TV podcast. Episode number 13, the season finale, part one. Such a big and explosive episode that we need to break it down into two parts. This episode, we're going to break, uh, we're going to go down and do uh, the summary of what happened. Next episode, we'll get to your feedback. They made it to the CDC, but wow, what a long, strange trip it was when they got there. Uh, I'm joined tonight by my fellow cohorts here on the Walking Dead TV podcast, gentlemen. Hey, this is Jordan. This is John. And this is Brad. And we are all really excited. Like I said, a big season finale episode. A lot of, a lot of really uh, interesting stuff went down. Uh, a, lot of really, uh, a lot of big surprises. Uh, a lot of uh, really good uh, moments. But we'll get to that in a moment. First, got to throw it over to Brad. He's going to uh, shout out our, our sponsor. Isn't that right, sir? Yes, it is. Discount Comic Book Service. Friends of the show. Longtime friends of the HHWLOD network. If you want to start ordering comics... And you haven't done it before, this is a great place to do it because you get a severe discount on your comics. You can order everything in the previews catalog every month. This month, all $2.99 cover-priced books by DC, Marvel, Dark Horse, and Image on DCBService.com this month are all 45% off this month. And that means... Your normally $3 books are only going to cost you $1.64. This is a great time to jump in and start trying some some comics if you want to. Uh, most books at, at DC have been uh, priced now at $2.99. A lot of Marvel books have come back down to $2.99. And so for the month of December, 45% off all $2.99 books from DC, Marvel, Dark Horse, and Image. Image Comics publishes the, the Walking Dead comic. So this is a great time to jump in. Go to dcbservice.com. And if you have never ordered from DCB Service, you can use the code WD8 and get uh, an additional 8% off your first order through Discount Comic Book Service. I've used them, and it's a really great way to get your books nowadays, especially because they're so expensive and there's so many you want to buy. This is a great place to stock up and uh, Try a lot of things uh, at once. Yeah, and, and with that two ninety nine deal, uh, let's remember that the Walking Dead Weekly is starting up, and that's a two ninety nine image book. If I'm correct about that, so you should be able to get whatever four issues they are up to this month in the solicitations. You should be able to get all of those for forty five percent off. That's right. I believe. Um, I believe they're soliciting uh, comics for February at this point. And if I remember correctly, uh, issues one, two, three, and four of the Walking Dead comic were solicited for January. So that means uh, issues five, six, seven, and eight would be a low price of $1.64 through d- discount comic book service. One other book that I wanted to talk about quickly is the Walking Dead covers hardcover book. A, a lot of people that are into the zombie genre but might not be into the comic books would probably really enjoy this book because it's just a wonderful 
hardcover book of art of all of the covers of the Walking Dead comics. I'm not sure how... Uh, the first 50. So it's the first 50 covers. So if you're just into zombies and not really the comic books, this is a great book to kind of just flip through and get some great zombie art and get a look at what all of the covers of the issues look like. That's regularly $24.99. On DCBS, it is $14.99. If you want a coffee table book of beautiful art but don't want your guests to feel all too comfortable, this is the perfect book for you. <laughs> Agreed. I've been forcing myself to not buy this book, not because I shouldn't, but because I'm trying to save money. But every time I see it on the shelf, I'm just like, hey, you need me to complete your collection. So it, it's a really pretty book. So one other thing about DCBS, they were kind enough to donate a bunch of uh, prize books for us as well. I think we mentioned it last show a little bit. They donated a stack of the Volume 1 trade paperbacks and a couple of the hardcover Volume 1s. So we're going to be giving those away, maybe one every show or, or maybe a couple uh, on a different show. We're going to kind of string those out and be giving them away here and there. We gave our first one to uh, Mr. Dan from San Antonio, who's been a longtime listener of Half Hour Wasted and the Legion of Dudes. He's also a Twitter follower, and he, he leaves emails and contributes and voicemails and stuff like that. Really good guy. So he had mentioned on Twitter that he hadn't started reading The Walking Dead. So we're just going to go ahead and send him uh, the first trade giveaway. And for another trade giveaway, as a big surprise, I have compiled a list of people that are following and retweeting and, and contributing on Twitter and have also left an iTunes review. So I kind of did a little cross-check here. And I have a list of 13 people who fall into that category. Uh, they also mentioned that they haven't started reading the comics yet. So I am going to ask Jordan, because he just woke up, to pick a number between 1 and 13. To be fair, I did not just wake up, but I will pick the number 3. All right, the number three is Harley Big Daddy. All right, good good on you, man. No way. Yeah, for real. So uh, Harley Big Daddy is going to get a volume one trade paperback. I'm sure he's listening to this because he always comments and leaves us tweets. So just send over a direct message with your uh, address and information, and we will get out volume one of The Walking Dead to you. So thanks for contributing, and uh, we'll, we'll do this you know, every show or so. Hey, uh, can I jump in real quick? Please. Um, speaking of contests and giveaways and stuff, um, I wanted to bring up uh, the trade paperback giveaway contest, that the Twitter contest that I did last time. It was brought to my attention after I picked the winner of the show of the contest that Soda, uh, Joe Jan's, his uh, entry was not as original as I thought it was, um, but... It still made me laugh. Turns out part of his answer came, uh, and he freely admitted it, was was uh, lifted from the movie So I Married an Axe Murderer, the whole thing about the Pentaveret and, and Colonel Sanders and all that. Uh, but he he his idea, his original part was about the reversing the order of the leaven herbs and spices. So I had seen the movie once, uh, was unaware that it came from that movie, it didn't strike me as familiar at all, so out of all of those, it still entertained me the most, so I don't feel bad at all about giving him those books. Again, I hope listeners understand that and, and aren't too angry about it, but I just needed to clear, 
clear that up a little bit, get that out in the open. Very nice. Let me just explain a little bit of what's going on here. We have a super large amount of voicemails, emails, and tweets, and all kinds of feedback for the finale. So we figured instead of making this like a a two-and-a-half-hour show and being worried about the time as we talk about the episode, thinking about all the other stuff we have to get to, we're going to save that feedback for next show. We're going to do a part two. So if you don't hear your voicemail or your email today, don't worry. We're going to do a part two for the finale. We're going to do all the feedback then. We're going to try to concentrate on the show itself tonight. We do have a couple of things we need to get to before that, like some iTunes reviews. Jim, do you have those? I do indeed. We got a lot of really good feedback from iTunes. I'd like to shout out some of our, um, some of our reviewers. Uh, Adam Ansel says this podcast is so entertaining it would cause a zombie to stop eating brains. Thank you very much. High praise indeed. We also got a great podcast from Suburban Hood. Tyler Crone uh, says another hit from HHWLOD.com. I love this show and recommend it to all my friends that watch the show, especially ones that don't read the book. Thanks a lot, Tyler. We try to keep it spoiler-free here for sure. Uh, my new favorite podcast is Jimmy Tucker. Since just before The Walking Dead uh, began on AMC, I've begun listening to this podcast, and it is great. The guys are very knowledgeable about the comics, the show, and the genre. I appreciate the interviews and the contests. Uh, choose this one, you'll be choosing wisely. Uh, Jimmy in Georgia, thanks a lot. I also want to shout out uh, John John Trouscht, I think that's how you pronounce that. Mick J B D fifty. Also has some nice things to say. Ed H Rez possible has an idea for a possible season two topic. Uh, awesome podcast is Elijah's iPod. Uh, detailed and spoiler free says uh, two two times night. We also got some really great uh, comments from Night Creature, uh, Jamie West. Uh, says, awesome podcast, do an awesome TV show. Keep up the great work, guys. So thanks so much for all the feedback we've been getting on iTunes. We really appreciate it. It's a good way for us to know uh, what you guys are digging and what you guys are, uh, you know, uh, w- what direction you'd like to see the show take. Uh, great podcast, says WBias86. A great companion for the show and comics by Loythen. Uh Aaron Newworth chimed in with an informative look at a great show. And Aquaboy1976 says, this podcast focuses mainly on the Walking Dead TV show and does not get into the comics too much. They're very good at keeping comic book spoilers from the TV show. So thanks a lot for your iTunes uh, reviews. We really appreciate them. If you have a second to drop by iTunes and and tell us what you think, please do. We always appreciate the feedback. Thanks for the shout-outs. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a ton of new reviews. And we're all not exactly sure how iTunes works, but we're pretty sure the reviews have a lot to do with... uh, getting on the front or the top of pages. So thanks. We appreciate it. And speaking of Jimmy in Georgia, he also had left a voicemail that we weren't able to get to uh, last week. So we're going to run that one quick before we get into uh, this week's show. Hey, guys. This is a message for the Walking Dead TV podcast. This is Jimmy in Georgia. Just uh, wanted to share a quick, few quick thoughts about the um, episode Wildfire. And I'm sure you've gotten this from tons of people Totally got the lost vibe there near the last part of the episode with the guy at the CDC. Kind of reminded me of a cross between Kelvin and Desmond and Lost. And, uh, yeah, that was cool. And even had a little bay opening with the shaft of light, kind of similar <laughs> in the Lost fashion as well. Um, thought that was awesome. Um, good episode. Definitely see some variations um, from what I read. And uh, like I said before, I'll have read the first trade. 
I definitely see some, some differences there, which I like. So uh, I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about the episode. All right, see ya. Bye. Yeah, this is um, thanks to, to Jimmy for, for leaving that as well. I, it's almost like two completely different works right now. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna get into this episode shortly, but uh, the variations are unbelievable to me at this point. Hey, I like the surprises for sure. I think if it were like a note note for note, you know, panel for panel recreation, that would be great. But then, I mean, we would know everything that was coming down the pike, and they're throwing us a lot of you know surprises and curveballs along the way here, which keeps me more interested, to be honest. And now, speaking of being interested. I guess a lot of people were interested in this uh, finale episode according to the ratings. Isn't that right, Jordan? Yeah, well, I mean, the show's been a ratings powerhouse, let's just put it that way, uh, put it lightly, since the beginning. It was the highest-rated cable premiere this year. Uh, it was one of the most-watched programs that week. It's the highest-rated highest rated show on AMC ever. And uh, last week, we they had their highest ratings. They, they beat the premiere. They had a great week. They had the uh, the Entertainment Weekly cover. They replayed a whole bunch of episodes, and so we kind of—I I don't want to speak for everybody, but I kind of thought that might be the high point of the ratings. It was great, but you know, didn't think it would top that. Well, this week they went up another nine percent to over six million viewers in the first showing of the episode last night alone. So, uh, give it up for the Walking Dead, guys. That's that's incredible. Now, how do you guys feel about the length of the season? I know we all know it's it's too short, but do you think? that this is a momentum killer at this point. Do you think it grabbed everybody at the height now and everybody's going to be really psyched for next year? Or do you think it was cut off a little short and they could have even, you know, built on it further and they might lose interest at this point? I'm going to go with the latter, uh, unfortunately. Um, Because a, a year is a long time. You know, or maybe at this point it's, Ten and a half months. That's a long time for somebody to continue to be excited about something. I think, you know, this episode ended in a way that kind of, you know, close it was like the end of a chapter, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the the, the next chapter is gonna be. It's not you know, we we didn't get a cliffhanger ending on this, and uh, you know, that was probably by design, just in case the second season wasn't picked up, but it sure is going to take a long time for next October to get here. And, you know, the average attention span of the human being nowadays in the internet is, what, three and a half minutes? So, um... I'm sorry, I'm sorry what were you saying? saying? <laughs> <laughs> Boom! You know, was... I thought about making that joke, and then I thought, no. Hey, He's now... This zeitgeist right there. That was, uh, that... I believe that qualifies as a good joke instead of a bad joke, too, by the way, so... <laughs> I have a feeling that some people may not hop on next season, which is unfortunate, but that's just the, that's just human nature. And there's certainly the chance of that. I mean, I th- certainly uh, certainly interest will wane in the off season months to an extent, but they'll have that same fear fest lead in they had this year. Next year, um, it worked really well for them. Now they've got that interest up, and it's. I, it's. I don't want to say it's different from other shows, but there's certain shows that when they're not on the air, I kind of forget about them. And when they come back, I'm like, eh, this isn't one of those ones that I'm trepidatious about getting back onto. It's one of those ones where there's zombies. I mean, are you kidding me? And it's because it didn't have that cliffhanger, 
I don't know. I almost feel like I'm, I'd am i be more interested in getting back onto it. But I, I think the general public, as long as they promote it like they did this year, uh, get another Entertainment Weekly cover, get another cover like that, uh, they should be just fine. Uh, it might be a little bit down in the premiere, but not enough to hurt them. Well, I just remembered I, something. I, plus, I, you got to keep in mind the, the Blu-ray and DVD sales. They're already pimping, you know, go ahead and pre-order your DVD or Blu-ray set of The Walking Dead Season 1. And they'll be able to you know, parlay that into uh, consumer interest, you know, in the off-season. Like they've done with Mad Men and some of their other shows. I mean, the, a lot of people I know got into Mad Men through the DVD sets. And I think oh, that oh definitely. With the Walking Dead. And that's I mean, going to be out uh, March, it looks like. That's, that's the rumor, anyway. Right, and then by the time they have the premiere for the new, uh, you know, the new episode or whatever, those sales will have gained momentum. And I think of, you know, of, of course, you know, it's not going to be in the forefront of everyone's mind because, like you said, Brad, attention spans being what they are. But I do, I don't think it's going to have any uh, problem getting its audience back when it comes back in the fall at all. It's also got that nice spot right there in October where. All the network shows start in September, and a good percentage of them every year fail. So people are starting to fall off of other shows, and they're looking for something to watch. And that October 31st spot, or whenever uh, whenever the Sunday closest to Halloween is next year, it's just kind of a really great point where people are looking for something to fill the void of those shows that didn't quite deliver on the networks. But Brad, you were starting to say something before, and uh, we don't want to miss you. What were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say um, what Jim brought up. I had forgotten when I started the to give my opinion about John's question that I believe it was today, actually the day we're recording this, that it has been officially announced that March is when those Blu-rays and DVDs are coming out. So did they give the official announcement? I haven't read that article yet. I believe I've seen it on Twitter in more than one place. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So that, that definitely will help the situation. You know, I, I know I'm going to be, you know, buying it right off. Yeah. Amazon, is being slow because everybody's shopping for Christmas. Amazon has it released on March 8th, 2011, 34.99, 49.99 list price. Which it'll of course be less than that, but uh right, 34.99 on Amazon already and I'm sure it'll even drop. That's only 30% off. They usually get it somewhere between 30 and 40. And are you looking at the Blu-ray or the DVD? The Blu-ray. Okay, yeah, so yeah, it should be. And their iTunes prices were reasonable. I paid uh, 16 bucks and got the whole season. I'll gladly pay again for the DVD because it's uh, that good and I want the extras. Oh, there it is. $27.99. Yeah, that's the, not bad at all. No. Is it on Betamax? It is not. You can get it on LaserDisc and Cave Drawing. Now, what's Sweet. the reel-to-reel situation? Those are those bad jokes that we get warned about. <laughs> uh, while we're doing this... LaserDisc is no joke. <laughs> While we're uh, kind of doing the news thing, Jordan, can you fill us in a little bit on the writers getting fired or not controversy and how that kind of played out? Sure. I first saw rumblings of it. Uh, I think it was Black Friday. Uh, people are saying, hey, there's rumors that the entire writing staff, including Kirkman, has been fired from The Walking Dead. Um, so that was obviously not good. But it turned out it wasn't the case at all. It's similar, but in a good way, if that makes any sense. Darabont's second in command on the show, whose name I'm going to forget right now, but it's like Chris Elios or something like that. The original plan apparently was Darabont would do season one and then he would step down and this other guy would do season two as the showrunner. But Darabont decided he wanted to stay around. So the other guy is going off to do his own show. Right. And he's I'm sorry, Jordan. The the other guy does his own shows already. Right. Like, isn't he a number one for a lot of other Programs. I believe so, but I can't say that with authority. I don't know off the top of my head. 
So, and then the other part of it was in this six episode season, Darabont wrote two episodes, staff wrote writers wrote two episodes and then he rewrote them. And then non-staff writers who are Robert Kirkman and another guy whose name escapes me at the moment wrote two more episodes and then they were rewritten with, uh, with Frank Darabont. So of the six episodes, Darabont m- wrote the majority of them at this point. So he decided that next season, and granted this is still not totally official, but Robert Kirkman's commented, Gail Ann Hurd has commented, um, they're looking to do some sort of system where it's all freelance writers and Darabont writing. So Darabont, Darabont writing the majority of the material and then rewriting freelance materials. This would allow Robert Kirkman to continue writing episodes because it's the same exact process to let him write an episode this season. And uh, it'll allow, you know, if people who know auteur theory, it'll allow uh, Darabont to really control the direction of the show from here on out. So it sounds bad in the beginning, but it's not really. I mean, for those couple people on the writer's staff, they don't have a job at the moment, so that sucks, and uh, our uh, our hearts go out to you guys. But uh, hopefully, they can come on on other shows, and they can also uh, maybe be freelance writers for The Walking Dead in season two. All right, fellas, are we ready to jump into TS nineteen? Let's do it. Take it away, Bradley. All right. The show opens with Shane at the hospital. Apparently, the day it all went down, the day the hospital got overrun. It's a crazy scene. Really cool scene. Really unexpected seeing this, uh, at least as far as I was concerned. The military is sweeping the hospital, shooting infected doctors and patients alike, probably even some uninfected ones as well. They're just doing a clean sweep to eliminate the possibility of contagion. Uh, Zombies are still streaming in uh, into the hallway, overrunning the military while Shane is trying to get Rick out of the hospital bed that he's in. And apparently onto another hospital bed that he has pulled up outside the door to Rick's room. And we'll, we'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, I thought that was kind of odd, but we'll, like I said, we'll get to that. He sees that Rick is still hooked up to a bunch of machines and he hesitates. He doesn't know what to do. He even asks Rick, what do I do? You know, Shane hears the door start to open. And he quickly ducks down behind the bed before a soldier comes in to sweep the room. It's a really cool shot, cool POV shot from the soldier, like he's looking through, you know, some eyepieces or something in his goggles. Uh, the soldier leaves, and just Shane says to Rick, "Buddy, if you're gonna wake up, I need you to do it now. I need you to show me a sign." He obviously is frustrated. He, you know, he doesn't know what to do. A big explosion hits, knocks out the power in the hospital, and all the machines that Rick is hooked up to go dark. So at this point. Shane starts to panic a little bit. He listens for a heartbeat. He doesn't hear anything. He puts his ear to Rick's chest. He hears none. Looks to me like he said kind of a quick goodbye, you know, maybe just inside his head, not verbalized it, but just paid his respects, put his his hand on Rick's head. Then he heads out into the hallway, and walkers are coming down the hall, down one end, the walkers are coming on the other end of the hallway. It looks like the military is still doing some sweeping. Apparently, the walkers smell pretty badly because Shane immediately pulls a rag from somewhere and puts it up to his face to try to help block the smell. See, I just want to jump in one second, Brad. Yeah, please do. I thought, and this is all, there's no indication either way, I don't think. I thought, like, he didn't know how you could get infected, and he was trying to, like, not breathe in 
the air. That's uh it could have just been way. the smell. I just something well, I that's one way to look at it, but I I thought he, he kinda grimaced and wrinkled his nose like he smelled something foul. Sure. But that's a very valid way of looking at it. And going back to what you were saying before, those uh, the military were definitely mowing down civilians and walkers alike, and they made a point of showing that. Yeah, they, they they would mow them with the machine gun, and then once they were down, they would pop them in the head with a pistol. Yeah, that's why I was kind of, and this is a tiny little nitpick, my first reaction was, why wouldn't he shoot Rick, you know, possibly infected person in the hospital? Seems like yeah. they were shooting everybody. I mean, I got over it quickly, but it was just kind of something that ran through my head when when it happened. Well, well, here's my thing. I mean, I understand why it's certainly very important for them to have the scene of him. You know, they're building him up as a hero and giving him another side to play before they go and break down that again later on in the episode. But Rick is alive on the hospital bed, and we know he's alive because he's got all these hospital machines hooked up to him, heart monitors, and they're all beeping. One explosion happens and the power goes out and suddenly Shane believes he's dead because he can't hear a heartbeat. Did he think Rick was rocked to death by the subtle explosion? No, he was wondering if the machines were perhaps keeping him alive. And now that the machines, now that the machines are powered down, is he actually alive anymore? And he, you know, later on, he mentions to Lori, maybe I couldn't hear because there was, you know, gunfire and whatnot, but he didn't hear. He tried, and that was my immediate, immediate thought. Was now that the power's out, he's wondering if, basically, it's like his. They just pulled a life support on Rick. But I also have another nitpick. Um, since we're, since we're uh, talking about nitpicks, um, let me just uh, finish this real quick, though. And well, this leads right into my nitpick. So Shane puts the rag on his face. He pulls the bed over in front of Rick's door, the door to Rick's room, uh, and then he hightails it out of there. But my my nitpick was, why was he pulling a new bed over there to pick Rick up off of the one he was already on and put him on bed number two? Why can't you just roll bed number one out the door? Was bed number one a movable gurney, or was it attached to the wall in some way? Well, like, most most beds in hospitals nowadays are rollable beds. I'm just trying to remember back because I can picture it with like tables attached to it and there's machines attached to it. I don't know. Maybe you just thought the other one would be more maneuverable or something. Maybe so. You know, like you guys, it was just a small nitpick. And then uh, we cut to our open. So I thought this scene was interesting because we see that Shane tried to save Rick and he just ran out of time. Yeah, this is, um, like you said, just to break them down again later. But but this really was the moment where you're going, see, you know, he really was sincere. He really tried to get Rick out of there, and he just couldn't do it. And, and it's good that they're painting the character with more shades than just, wow, this guy's a jerk from the whole rest of the show. You know, giving him something else to play. I mean, Shane actually had a lot of emotions to pull off this episode. I thought he did a pretty good job. But, uh, yeah, it was good to see him in that light especially with the scene that came later on, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. During the broadcast last night, I was monitoring the Twitter feed, and uh, I can't remember who it was, but somebody said something about, oh, see, Shane does have a heart, or something like that. And then later on in the episode, they were like, oh, Shane's back to being a jerk again. It was pretty pretty funny. So the open ends, 
and then uh, we go back to the shot of Rick and the other survivors survivors standing outside the CDC bathed in the bright white light. This is the way the previous episode ended. The doors opened. They go inside carefully, guns at the ready. Uh, if you listen carefully, you can hear Dale say, close those doors, watch for walkers. Uh, Dr. Jenner appears armed and asks if anyone is infected. Rick says, just one of us, but not, you know, he's not with us anymore. Jenner says, what do you want? Rick says, we want a chance. Jenner thinks about it and says, the price of admission is a blood test. Rick agrees and they are allowed inside. Then they make it to a doorway and Jenner speaks to some unseen person named Vi and asks her to seal the main entrance and kill the power up here. They hop in an elevator and uh, go down to the lower levels of the CDC to the main room. And he says, welcome to Zone 5. And then we find out that Jenner is actually the only human being left and that Vi is not a human but a computer program. A little too sci-fi for my taste. You think so? Very, very Andromeda strain. I know we talked about this once before, but this uh, sequence especially. You know what it is? I mean, it's set in current times. Does something like that exist in the CDC? You know, I'm guessing no. Yeah, I mean, that's my question because everything else there, the whole, it just, it, you know, it blows up or I, blows up might not be the exact correct uh, terminology, but... Uh, all that kind of stuff is true from what I've read even before the episode aired. So if that much is true, maybe they have a computer you can talk to. John, you're talking about a show that has zombies in it. I know, but the the it's so good because it's real people dealing with this crazy situation. I, I just it seems to be set in our world even though there's zombies walking around there's zombies that have entered our world and now we have a talking computer with like crazy ai i don't again nitpick it hey. just didn't seem like it fit it's kind of like a gritty you know down to earth type of show and now they're doing a little bit of sci-fi i i don't know i hey i got two words for you suck it iron iron man 2 that's not set in our world that's set in a superhero world also three words. That was one of those bad jokes. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, I mean, I would make the comment that at least, yes, it was a computer that talks, but I don't think it did anything that an Xbox Connect couldn't do. Well, you know, and, and uh, later on when Jenner says, hey, Vi, say hello to our guests and tell them the walls are orange. She says, hello, guests, the walls are orange. You know, so it's not like it's an artificial intelligence that's really smart. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not Jarvis. Yes. And, and yes, exactly. All right. I'm over it. All right. Good. So, uh, Jenner administers blood tests to everyone. There's in the middle of doing so. And Andrea is getting one. She gets up and almost faints. Uh, and they say she hasn't eaten in several days. None of us has. And there's a look on Jenner's face like, Really? I thought my situation was bad. Maybe I can help these people out. And we cut to, it was a cool transition too. Jenner's got that look on his face and then all of a sudden you hear people laughing uncontrollably and then it, it cuts to the dinner shot where everybody's 
having dinner and drinking wine and having a good time and laughing. I thought that was a neat transition, how they overlapped. Jen, Jenner looks like he's about to pour some wine in, in Carl's glass. And Lori says, no, no, no. No, he's just a kid. And Rick says, what the hell? You know, what difference is it going to make now? So she's like, all right. He tastes the wine. Obviously, he hates it. Everybody has a good laugh. Rick stands up to make a toast to Jenner. Shane decides to kill the moment by asking what has happened to the rest of the doctors at the CDC. And uh, Jenner tells them that at first, when the outbreak happened, many doctors left to be with their families to spend what little time they had left. Um, then, when things got even worse, when the military cordon was overrun that was surrounding the place, the rest of the doctors that remained took the easy way out and committed suicide. Uh, he stayed, and Andrea asks why, and Jenner says he just kept working, trying to do some good. So at this point, the room is at a low point, and Glenn looks at Shane and calls him a buzzkill. I guess Shane was trying to undermine Rick's plan. You know, like it was Rick's plan to go to the CDC. Shane didn't want to. Rick won, and now they're all having this great time drinking wine, and Shane kind of wants to remind everybody that this was a dead end. Right, and he even says, dude, this is why we're here. This was your plan, so, you know. And, you know, he starts to ask him, Rick says, dude, we don't need to do this now. Shane says, yeah, we do. This was your plan. This is why we came, so might as well just do it. Yeah, you could definitely tell there was some tension going on there. It was the first time we got to see everyone kind of let their guard down just for a minute, and then everyone had to put their guard right back up again. You know what I mean? There was just that one moment where everybody was just kind of, Eating and drinking and finally, you know, kind of just like the pressure was off. But then immediately Shane brought the pressure back on. And I think that's, you know, kind of the way we as comic readers, that's the way we feel when we read this book. You know, we've learned to not let our guard down reading this book because anything can happen at any time. So Jenner shows them to their air quotes, quotation fingers, quarters and tells them to go easy on the hot water. Basically, was what all this was. And we get uh, Glenn, really cool look on Glenn's face. Uh, did he say hot water? So we get this cool montage of everybody enjoying themselves in the shower. Some more than others, though, because Shane is is uh, standing in the shower, but he's still drinking his bottle of wine. And Andrea is just sitting on the ground, looking the worse for wear, looking totally out of it. She's obviously, you know still very upset about her sister. We get a nice moment between Dale and Andrea after everybody's done with their shower. Andrea's puking her guts up. Dale hears it, walks in, you know, holds her hair, and he says, let it out, let it out. She says, everything's gone, Dale. You know, we get a nice talk between the two of them. She's pretty much given up all hope. And uh, Dale, you, you can tell at this point, Dale obviously cares about Andrea. This is one of the parts that I, I really felt that the six-episode season hurt this end of the storyline just because, like, obviously, I mean, Andrea and Amy are sisters, so they're going to be close. I mean, I get that. We only really got that one scene in the boat to show, like, their bond before Amy went... And we never really got Dale's bond to Andrea and Amy. And they're kind of filling us in on the back end now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, there's that one 
Neil, was it last episode when, when uh, Dale? Yeah, it was Dale was comforting Andrea. Yeah, she, after Andrea was standing over Amy's uh, body, and Dale came up and talked to her and said that he, uh, Amy, and Andrea were the only two people he let himself care about since everything went down. Right. Yeah. So that there's that conversation and this moment, and I mean, it, it served its purpose. But I wish, I really wish, this was a full season. And we got to see more of them in the camp together and the, the bond kind of grow. But I guess it's all good now because it's signed for a, a full season next year. So, Yeah, and like I said earlier, it obviously feels like this, this uh, first season was designed to be self-contained. Much like the first season of uh, Land of the Lost was when they, you know, that the last episode of Land of the Lost ended in a fashion that basically made that first season a loop. So just in case they couldn't have a season two, it could stand on its own. Now, obviously, this isn't a loop, and I realize I'm pulling up, you know, things that some of our listeners may not even know existed. But, um, you know, this this really definitely felt like a six-issue trade paperback, and uh, it could be the end of the story. Okay, so Rick uh, is... Uh, has been drinking also. He's carrying his bottle of wine. He goes and finds Jenner in the main control room. And uh, obviously he's had a little bit too much to drink. He can't stand up. He wants to thank Jenner for helping. And uh, he opens up a bit to Jenner and he says, I haven't told any of my group, <clears throat> my wife and son, but I've always thought that we were all going to die and that we were out of time soon. It was just a matter of time, but I kept it in. I had to give him hope. I had to keep things going. I wasn't going to show that I was afraid. And Jenner says, and really kind of creepily, I thought, he says, he looks at Rick and he says, it's going to be okay. It's almost like Jenner knew something, but he couldn't tell Rick what it was. Come to find out later, Jenner did know something, but the way he said it was really kind of creepy, I thought. It didn't come off as creepy for me, more disingenuous, like, you know, it's going to be okay. I didn't really buy it. <clears throat> I didn't really buy it, I guess, is what uh, I'm saying. Yeah, it was a strange conversation. So we cut to Carol, Sophia, and Carl in the rec room, and uh, Lori comes in looking freshly showered. Carol leaves to put the kids to bed while Lori stays behind to check out the bookshelf. And Shane appears uh, and scares the crap out of Lori. He's drunk. Uh, he's carrying a bottle of wine. His pants are way too high. Yeah, he's got his high pants on. His shirt's open so we can tell. I, I don't remember actually seeing his belly button in No, actually, if you guys want to go to Twitter, uh, w, at WDTV Podcast, I took a screenshot of Shane, and his belly button is covered. So something is clearly wrong with him. That's that's really weird, um, a really weird situation with those pants. I'm not quite sure what to make of it. It's also a really weird use of your time, John. Listen, <laughs> the Twitter folk loved it. <laughs> I got lots of retweets on Shane's pants on that one. So uh, Shane and Lori get into a discussion about Shane leaving Rick at the hospital, and Shane tells her about his experience you know, pretty much verbatim what we saw at the beginning of this episode. It says he had to leave Rick there because he had 
uh, Lori and Carl to think about. You know, this is when he tells Lori, I put my ear to his chest. I didn't hear any uh, heartbeat. Maybe it was because the gunfire, it was too loud or whatever, but I had to get out of there because I had you guys to think about. I had to, to take care of you guys. And I would have traded places with Rick if I could have. He says, in fact, I would, I'd trade places with Rick right now because I love you. And this is where it starts to get, you know, he, you know, puts some advances on her. He tries to kiss her. She's like, no, you don't love me. You're drunk. Um, yeah, I do love you, blah, blah, blah. She ends up scratching the hell out of Shane's neck and face because he will not leave her alone. Finally, she just rips him a new one. And we should mention that it, it got to a sexual assault almost nature. Oh, no, it got all the way to sexual okay. assault. Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I was trying to be nice when I said advances, but yeah, that's exactly what it was he was trying to cop a feel you know basically and uh and we cut back to rick who's uh stumbling down the hall he finds his room that he's sharing with his family carl's asleep he lays down basically he doesn't lay down he falls down into bed because he can't stand up and he hears Lori crying her eyes are open and she's crying and and he misinterprets what's going on obviously he says we don't have to be afraid anymore we're safe here and obviously, that's not why she's crying. Some other crazy stuff has happened to her in the meantime. We cut to commercial. So I'm thinking that Lori has pretty much exonerated herself completely in terms of, like, the eyes of the viewing audience. I mean, I guess you could still say well, it was a little you know, soon. It, it might it might feel soon, but then again, that goes back to our six-episode season. But again, she tells... Shane, you told me he was dead. You know, Shane tries to turn it back on her and say, if you thought he was truly dead, or if you thought he was truly alive, you would have stayed there, but you thought he was dead too. You left, you know, so he's tr he's basically trying to say, I saved your life. If you had stayed, you would have been dead. So, you know, he's trying to make him sound like he's really not the bad guy. And my feeling at this point is that I totally believe Shane in terms of I don't think he thought Rick could have possibly made it. I don't think anything was going on beforehand. I think he just ended up falling in love with Lori. And now he's being a complete jerk, you know, on top of it, which isn't going to help his case at all. But I, I don't think anything was going on beforehand anymore. I don't think it was planned at all by Shane. I think it just kind of went down a, a bad road. I think I'm in that same group. I, you know, we, we haven't seen any evidence. We could learn later that that's not the case, but it doesn't feel like it right now. We haven't seen any evidence that there was something going on beforehand. Like John said, he really did seem sincere in trying to rescue Rick. You know, he literally tried to pick Rick up out of the bed and that's when he noticed, Oh, he's tied up to all these machines. So, it's not like he just went there so he could say to Lori, oh, I went to try to save him. He tried to save his best friend's life. So we come back from commercial, and it's breakfast. It's morning. T-Dog is cooking up some instant eggs. I'm like T-Dog more and more every episode. You know, when he was taking a shower, he was laughing to himself and just having a good time. T-Dog has really turned turned out to be a, a welcome addition to the to the cast of characters that, you know, we know from the 
from the comic. So I, I really like it. Everybody is hungover, especially Glenn. And Carl even says to his dad, are you hungover? Mom said you would be. I thought that was kind of funny. Carl's having to grow up a little fast in this world. You know, I think about my own kids. And uh, John's got kids, you know. Uh, Jim's just a you know, brand new father. You know, having to, I think about having to have my kids in this world. You know, I, I'm so glad this is just a TV show. It, it, uh, just a TV show and not real life. Yeah, you know, not to get... Um too crazy with this or personal or everything, but it, it reminded me of um, my wife was pregnant with our first child right at nine eleven. Uh, so it, it kind of it just kind of reminded me of the thoughts that I had, like what you know, what are we, <laughs> what is going on here? You know, bringing a kid into this situation, and it definitely struck me as that a little bit as I as I watched this. Yeah. Shane wanders in, looking worse for wear, and T-Dog says, dude, what's up with your face? He says, oh, I must have scratched it in my sleep. And Rick says, I've never seen you do that before. And uh, uh, Shane says, yeah, it's pretty much unlike me, isn't it? He's looking at Lori when he says that. So he knows he was a little drunk and uh, out of place last night. And Lori gives him the look of disgust back. Yeah, he does. She does. We cut to the uh, the big control room down there in uh, Zone 5. And this is where we're introduced to Test Subject 19. Jenner shows the group uh, the computer playback readout of TS-19's brain as the disease uh, sets in and kills the test subject. And he goes on to explain... The TS-19 was bitten and infected and volunteered uh, to be studied and recorded so they could try to learn something about this disease. And uh, it was, I thought it was cool uh, when Jenner talks to Vi. He says, hey, Vi, I know I've kind of glossed over the, the whole metaphysical discussion they had of the brain and the existence of the person and the synapses and all that. That was a bit above my head and kind of out of left field for me so if you guys want to talk about it you're welcome to but it just felt kind of strange and forced so you'd, you'd agree with daryl then in his line of so you don't make sense ever yeah <laughs> yeah that yeah i really kind of felt felt right along the alongside of daryl with that the only thing that was significant to me about it was that in the books there's never been to my knowledge i forget a lot of stuff so you guys will correct me there's never been any scientific explanation at all for what's going on. That's correct. Well, there still isn't technically, but they did hint at it a little bit with the uh, the three military people. I forget their names. Uh, it was like issue sixty around those parts. Yeah, I guess okay. I'd have to check back. I, I don't. Uh, I don't recall it, but this was definitely, and and it could be down the road in the books, but uh, this was more than anything we've been given so far. Yeah, I know what you're saying, John. This is like an actual explanation of the virus and what happens and, you know, step by step through the brain and everything like that. We've had nothing like that in the comics uh, up till now. We get it, I mean, we get all this and, you know, the, only the sixth episode of the TV series. Well, I was going to say, to be fair, they don't tell us anything. All they tell us is that they don't know anything. Basically, yeah. we see what we already know in just the x-ray version. And then he says, it could be fungal. It could be this. It could be that. It could be that. 
or it could even be the wrath of God. He has no idea. We get a, a scientific explanation of physically what's happening to the body. The symptoms. But, yes, but we don't know what, what it is, what caused it, but we, know, we now know what happens to the body, that it attacks the brain. I think he gen- Jenner said it attacks the brain like meningitis, shuts down the brain. And then we find out as, as, he's, as he talks to Vi, hey, fast forward to the second event. I thought that was cool. When he said earlier, he said, you know, fast forward to the first event. And uh, I was like, well, I wonder what the next event's going to be like. So it, it's just kind of cool little uh, scripting there, I thought. Um, we see that in the second event, the disease kind of reanimates the brainstem only. The part that he described as the you part of the brain, the personality part of the brain, the the Rick part, the Jenner part, the Andrea part, that's dead. It never comes back. And it's literally a lifeless uh, automaton robot, you know, organic robot. He doesn't use that word. I do, but that's what he means. Some um, kind of a robot. Yeah, robots. Uh, and he, he, he makes a comment about the the – Anim- the reanimation time varies. It has been as little as two or three minutes and has been as you know, many as several hours. So uh, it's never going to be the same, probably, for, for, different, for different people. And so that, it, that really doesn't clear up you know, just how long Andrea was out. You know, could have been a couple hours. It could have been 12. You know, so who knows? I really like the, uh, the X-ray. I said Andrea, but I meant Amy. I really like the x-ray effect, too, just that uh, it felt kind of standard. And then as soon as it started moving, it was so out of – it wasn't out of left field because you knew it could happen. But for some reason, I don't expect the x-ray to do that, to suddenly lurch and start moving. And it was – it drew you in and then shocked you. I thought it was a cool effect that way. I'll tell you what shocked me is when all of a sudden you see the x-ray of a of a pistol come in and – the you see the bullet blow through the brain and kill all the light the highlighted areas of the brain and even yeah. Carol was like what the hell was that yeah I don't know that I've ever seen that before in anything I thought it was pretty cool yeah and uh, I forget who was it that said it but it was a woman said he shot the test subject that was Andrea Andrea yeah and, and then, she was pretty broken up over it. It seemed like she was almost like, he, I can't believe he shot him after you just shot your sister last episode. Well, you know, we, we, Jenner looks at her and notices something's wrong. Lori says she lost somebody. And Jenner goes to Andrea and says, I lost someone too. I know what you're feeling. Now, even before that line, was anybody, had anyone not guessed who TS-19 was? I had not. We still don't know at this point. That's later in the episode we find out. It's not at this point when we find out. Right, I know. But I'm like, even this, this scene or part of it up until uh, the brain dying and then coming back, the brain stem, that was uh, the scene they put up like a week ago. I guessed it from that. I don't know. It, it just didn't seem like there was a couple things in this episode they tried to be like, oh, isn't that surprising? And I went, no, it was pretty well telegraphed. Uh, not in we, a bad way, but I don't know. You must be a lot smarter than me because I didn't see it coming. I just watch a lot more TV, probably. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I did, but I don't tend to watch things with that kind of. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm, I don't want to say I'm not attentive because I am. Well, see, I think John, you and I, and Jim, we're of the older crowd, and it seems like I bring this up a lot, and I, I do it tongue in cheek, and we pick on Jordan, but we love him. But the older crowd, 
tends to worry less about things uh, that the younger crowd does. You know, if the younger crowd, my observations anyway, are that they pride themselves on figuring things out first without having to be told or figuring the guessing the end of Lost before anybody else did or whatever. You know, at this point in my life, I'm just con- content to sit back and enjoy the ride. I don't have to figure it out before they spell it out for me on the TV. Okay, um, and we pick up with uh, Jenner admitting that they have no idea what the disease is. Uh, he's been in the dark for a month, he says, and knows absolutely nothing basically about the situation in the outside world. And, uh, you know, he says, we can see what's going on, but we don't know anything about it. We're not any closer to getting an answer than we were at the beginning of episode five is basically what, what the writers are telling the viewers. So Dale says, look, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to put you out of sorts any more than we already are, but what's the deal with the countdown clock? What happens at zero? Jenner says, the basement generators run out of fuel. And then Rick says, what happens when the power runs out? Jenner ignores him. He just walks away. Thought that was kind of weird. So Rick looks at the ceiling. Vi, what happens when the power runs out? And we hear her say, facility-wide decontamination will occur. Boom, cut to black, go to commercial. I was waiting for, you have to press the button and reset it every 108 minutes. Yeah. Come back from commercial. Rick, Shane, Glenn, and T Dog have gone downstairs to check out the generators in the basement. They find them empty, and it looks like there may be just one left that has a, a little bit of juice in it. Then the emergency lighting kicks in. Cut back to Lori. Uh, she's in a room with Carl. She's reaching her hand up towards an air conditioning vent. Carl says, What's up, mom? She says, The air conditioning has stopped. Cut to Jenner in his office. He's looking at a picture of a woman. He says, I did what I could with the time I had. I hope you'd be proud of that. And at this point, Jenner starts acting very strangely. You know, he's dressed in his his, uh, work clothes. He's got his tie on. He's wearing a lab coat. I'm like, that's kind of weird. You know, when we first met Jenner, he was wearing a T-shirt and and, uh, jeans, and he might have had socks on. I actually thought it might have been a uh, a flashback at first because like his hair was combed real nice, and I was like, "Oh, we're getting a second flashback in this episode." And then he walked out, and everybody was there. I was like, oh, "Okay, he's just uh, wants to look good when he dies." Everybody's asking him, "Dude, what's going on?" He's walking through the facility. They're following him because he's basically just ignoring them. You know, he gives feeds them little bits of information. The power in the building's being preserved and prioritized. They get to. The control room in Zone 5, you know, at this point, they're really up in arms about what's going on. He says, look, as far, the French, he kind of gives them some new information that he didn't before. He says, the, as far as I know, the French were the last ones who held out, you know, before everything went dark. They held out as long as they could. They were close to a situation, but their power grid ran out, just like ours is going to run out. Rick tells everyone to go get their stuff and the klaxon, the alarm starts going off at the 30-minute mark, and people are starting to head out to get their stuff, and yet Rick uh, Jenner locks the door, locks everyone in the control room. Daryl is very upset about this and tries to attack Jenner. 
Uh, Rick says, let us out. Jenner says, there's no point. Everything upstairs, topside, is locked down anyway, and I can't override the computer. And he says, believe me, it's better this way. Rick says, dude, what happens in 28 minutes? Jenner explains that the HITs, or the high-impulse thermobaric explosives, are deployed, which are designed to eliminate basically any and all organic and non-organic material in the immediate vicinity. The HITs apparently are the biggest, most dangerous explosives known to man, apart from a nuclear explosion. Jenner says, when these things go off, it sets the air on fire. Everything will be destroyed and there will be no pain. There will be an end to grief, an end to sorrow, to regret, to everything. At this point, you realize that their world is going to end. I mean, it's, they're about to, they're locked in a room that's going to blow up in 28 minutes. Cut to commercial. Was I, I just, was I the only one that thought he was really, it was just really kind of like acting strange. Well, he had like checked out emotionally at that point. And I mean, he came back later with some, uh, uh, what, what, at what point did he start his yelling about, you know, why they had to, to explode the building? Was that after the commercial? Yes. Um, but yeah, up until that point, he just kind of, no, no I beg your pardon. Gone. I beg your pardon. It was in, it was in that, it was in that, uh, in that section, you know, I kind of glossed over the fact that he, he lost it. He goes, he's, you know, says things like, you know, you realize what this place does, you know, what it did, it, 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 uh, you know, hot, it protects the world from all these horrible diseases and, we've got this stuff here and if it gets out it could kill basically everything so that's why these HITs were designed to eliminate the place and all of the existing organisms the volatile organisms on site all these diseases and whatnot I think so, he yeah. says in case of a terrorist attack right doesn't he mention a terrorist attack yeah, yeah he says you know in, in case of a terrorist attack or when the power goes out you know his freakout was really well done. I mean, because yeah. at that point, I was, you know, up until then, I was this guy is kind of nuts. And then once he explained it, I was like, "All right, you're still nuts, and that you're not giving them a choice." But I can at least get where you're coming from now, because uh, really well acted by Noah Emmerich. Did uh, Did Daryl start hacking at the glass with the axe yet? He was yeah, doing well, it like all through the scene. It was kind of funny. Best line, the best line. The best line was uh, that actually happens when we come back from commercial. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you know, because the door had just been shut and Jenner explains about the explosives so we come back from commercial everyone's still upset Shane and Daryl immediately go try breaking the door down with axes because that's going to work yeah Jenner says hello those doors are designed to withstand a rocket launcher you're wasting your breath and he energy says, and Daryl says but your head ain't and he, <laughs> he yeah. comes after yeah. yeah tries to get him again and they hold him back Rick says we don't want this Jenner says yeah, you do want this. You told me last night that you knew it was only a matter of time before you all died anyway. And everybody looks shocked when they hear Jenner saying this. And Shane even looks at Rick and says, did you say that, really? Because at this point, Rick has been the epitome of positivity. He's been the backbone of the group. He's the one that's kept Hope alive. And he's even said, I had to keep Hope alive. I had to keep us moving. I had to keep us going. And once they heard that, 
that Rick was scared too. Everybody's just looking at Rick, pleading with their faces. They don't even have to say anything. They're like, what are we going to do? Everybody is looking at Rick for guidance, even Dale. And I thought this was a really, really great character moment for Rick because when he realizes everybody's looking at him, that it's up to him to save him, he immediately goes into action again. He turns to Jenner and he says, I think you're lying. It kind of feels like maybe Rick was grasping at straws or something, but even if he was, he's doing something. And this speaks to volumes to me about Rick's character and why I love his character so much. He will do anything he can. He will not give up. He says, dude, you stayed when everyone else ran. Why did you stay? You knew it was hopeless. Why did you stay? I think you're lying. And turns out the answer is a little different than Rick expects. He says, I stayed because I made a promise to her, my wife. He's pointing to the big screen where TS-19 was displayed. And this, this is where it's officially revealed that TS-19 was your wife. Laura even says, TS-19 was your wife. Jenner says that she, uh, she begged him to keep going to try to come up with a solution Meanwhile, in this whole scene here, Daryl is still back at the back door trying to break it down with the axe. It's really kind of funny. There's this really emotional, meaningful scene where he's talking about his wife. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you, in the background, you hear the clang, clang, clang. Daryl's off in the back doing his own thing. He's not just sitting around. Jenner says his wife was a smart one and that she's the one that could have done something about this disease, not him. He goes, I just worked here. She was the brains of the place, and she could have saved or could have had a chance to, to come up with something. And Rick says, she didn't have a choice in the matter. She just got bitten, but you do. You do have a choice. You can let us out, and that's all we want. We want out. We want to keep going as long as we can. We have a choice. Let us take this choice. So Jenner, you know, the whole time he's like, it's better this way. You know what you're going to face when you go outside. You're going to face that? Or do you just want to die peacefully here? He's already resigned, obviously, to the fact that that's what he's going to do. Rick and uh, Sophia and Lori, they're all like, you know, this isn't right. Our kids shouldn't have to die like this. You know, this is our decision. Jenner finally says, okay. He opens the door that... Daryl has been spending the last 10 minutes trying to break down and reminds them, I can't do anything about the doors upside, up topside. Rick thanks him, shakes his hand, and Jenner pulls him close and whispers something to Rick. It's quite a long whisper, too. It's not like one sentence. It feels like two or three sentences. And when Rick pulls away, he look, the look on his face is one of shock. It almost looks like Rick was going to fall over. You know, it really looked like this rocked his world, whatever Jenner whispered to Rick. At this point, Lori has come back to Rick. Rick, Lori pulls him away and back towards the door. Everybody's trying to leave. Jackie says that she's staying. There's no point in arguing. She's going to stay. I don't want to end up like Amy and Jim. Andrea says, I'm staying too. And Dale's like, hello, <laughs> you can't do this. Why? You, you got to go with us. She says, nope, not going to do it. Everyone else goes upstairs, tries to break their way through the window using the axes, 
T-Dog throws a chair at the window. Shane T-Dog was out. determined with that chair. I thought he was actually going to make it at a couple points. Yeah. Rick, uh, I'm sorry, Shane whips out the shotgun, pumps a couple rounds into it, and all of a sudden, the missing hand grenade makes its return appearance. Carol shows Rick the grenade she found in his uniform the day he showed up because she washed his uniform. That was pretty awesome, I thought. That was one thing I definitely did not see coming. Yeah, I didn't either. And But all I could think of was Carol has been carrying a grenade in her purse this whole time. <laughs> well, you never know when Ed's going to get out of control. Didn't yeah. Daryl even say, like, uh, a hair clip's not going to help us, honey? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was Shane. Oh, or yeah. nail file. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah but so, it's, it's cool that they used Chekhov's grenade there. You know, didn't just have it sitting around. Because there's a couple other things this season set up, and it hasn't quite paid off yet. But it was right. cool of them to take that right from the beginning, and uh, here you go. Never underestimate what a woman has in her purse. So <laughs> exactly. Hey, exactly. Can we go back to the whisper for, for one second? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I asked on uh, on Twitter what uh, what everybody thought was whispered at that point. The overwhelming answer, and again, I did not think of this, but the overwhelming answer was that from the blood test, Jenner fa- finds out that Lori is pregnant. One other answer, uh, Ducky is lost, which is Lynn. She was, I think, the only person that didn't. There were a couple of joke answers that were very funny, and maybe we'll we'll get into those when we do the uh, the feedback show. But uh, Lynn said maybe Jenner, through all of the surveillance in the CDC, saw what happened with Shane and Lori. Yeah, that's also a good one. Luthen says, uh, make sure future generations know the truth. Sean, or Han shot first. I think I like that one best. <laughs> it's very important. There were actually a lot of funny ones, but uh, like I said, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do that next time. Rick is successful in blowing the window open with the grenade. It's a pretty cool shot. Cut back to Dale and uh, uh, Andrea in the control center, and Dale says, all right, you win, and sits down. Andrea looks at him and says, what are you doing? And Dale basically says, I'm not leaving. If you're staying, I'm staying too. I don't want to face it alone. She says, don't pull this. Do not do this to me. I don't want you here. And Dale says, you don't get to do that. You don't get to come into someone's life, make them care, and then just check out. I'm staying. (laughs) And then he, he says, what I found to be very quaint and something an older gentleman might say, the matter is settled. <laughs> and, and did we mention that Jackie is still there too? Yes. Uh, Jackie was uh, the first one to say she's not leaving and she doesn't want to end up like Jim or Amy. Cause I mean, why it's awesome that we get the story of uh, Dale and Andrea in this particular scene. She kind of gets uh, the short, short end of the stick there in terms of, uh, Oh yeah. Well, we'll see you later. Bye. Yeah, actually, T Dog cared a little yeah, bit. Yeah, T Dog tried a little T-Dog bit. T Dog tried, and uh, it was either Shane or Daryl pulled pulled T Dog away and said, "Dude, we got to go now." So, come back to the group. They're making a break for the vehicles, killing walkers along the way. And uh, I'm going to give uh, Zombie Kill of the Week to Daryl on this one. Yeah, boy. He uh, he swings <laughs> his axe and just lifts the zombie's head clean off his neck. This was an awesome switch in tone when they yeah. hit the street and they just start you know 
popping off guns and hitting zombies in the forehead and and the head gets lopped off. Um, just a t- complete change in tone. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, because at that point, you know, there was there was no zombie action, you know, except for TS nineteen on the big screen. But and the the flashback. Yes, yes. Thank you. I forgot about that. I did too. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's right. This is a, a zombie show. Yeah, they're about to drive off when Lori sees Dale and Andrea making their way out of the CDC. We see a shot of Jenner and Jackie watching on the monitor, and he says they made it. And she smiles, and they look pleased about that. Rick realizes that Dale and Andrea aren't going to make it back to the camper on time, sticks his head out the camper and yells for them to get down. And they they successfully uh, dive behind some cover, and the CDC building explodes in... Unfortunately, I even hate to say this out loud, some of the most horrible CG work I've seen in a very, very long time. Um, very disappointed in that scene because it looked fake. See, I didn't think the fire worked so well, but I thought the actual crumbling of the building looked pretty cool. Well. No, I thought the building was pretty bad. Yeah, the building, you know, it, it seemed to kind of disassemble itself in a pattern uh, not so random pattern, and instead of a bunch of tiny pieces, it was a bunch of big pieces. It just it felt it felt like you know maybe they had shot their wad on the whole season. Well, you know what? That's TV. I mean, we were getting bad CGI all the way through the end of Lost. Yeah, remember the submarine? Yeah, that's true. That's true. And that's a very high funded. You know, that's a that's Disney right there. Right, that's Disney books. Right. So TV yeah. is just not going to get your. I mean, I don't think they have the time, quite frankly, to to put together the kind of CGI work that you would see in like a blockbuster movie or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, does is it passable for television? Yes, it was very passable for television. For a zombie show, yes, very passable, and I'm cool with that. But you know, I also like to see good CG work that looks good. Enough, enough about that. Uh, Dale and Andrea. Get in the camper, and the group, the group drives off down the road. Uh, to the dulcet tones of Bob Dylan. Yeah, singing, uh, Tomorrow is a Long Time. And I think that is an appropriate song because... October's a long time. October is a long time for, this, for their tomorrow. So, um, I was having trouble figuring out who was driving each of the five vehicles that were driving away. Rick was driving the RV. Shane... That was Shane's Jeep, if I remember correctly. There was right. a there was a van. There was a pickup pickup with truck a, with a motorcycle on his back. Yeah, and then um, was that is that Daryl's? That pro yeah, I think so. You're probably right. I think uh, was was T Dog in the van? I honestly can't remember. And then I've I've forgotten what the fifth vehicle was already. The fifth one was probably Carol's, or was she in the RV? There's a lot of people in the RV. Well, I suppose really it doesn't matter. I just thought it was interesting. I didn't realize they had five vehicles between them. Yeah. So um, then that's the end of the show, and it's a long wait. Uh, I'm gonna give this one. Uh, I'm gonna give this one four and a half busters. I really, really enjoyed this one. Yeah, I think I think at least four for me. It, it, it was a it was a really good show. I'd have to maybe on one of our shows coming up when we're looking for content, will kind of rank the six shows. Uh, but I'm going to give it a four right now. I will also give it a solid four. Um, 
like I said, I had a few issues with predictability, and I'm not really the kind of guy who who tries to predict stuff. I just happen to a lot of the time. I don't know. Like like I said, I watch a lot of TV, and so things tend to get repeated. But it it was well acted. There was a, a lot of really good acting in, in the entire episode, but it just it treated some things as surprises that didn't seem all that surprising. So that would be my my major knock against it. I have to give it a. I'll give it a, a four. But just barely. I had some problems with, um, like, the pacing, the the the, um, the the flashback at the beginning. I mean, it, it seemed like they showed us that, and then he told us about it later in the episode. You know, I mean, it, it could. I feel like it was kind of you know redundant in in, in some ways. Well, I you know, can see. I, mean, I can definitely see see your point on that. It was redundant in the fact that we saw it all happen and we're hearing about it again, but I think it goes to serve the purpose of redeeming Shane to some point. Like we also mentioned earlier, he actually did try to save Rick. And at this point, you know, when, when, when Shane is talking to Lori as viewers, we're really not quite sure what the truth is, but because we saw it happen, we know that that was in fact the truth. Yes, it was redundant, but it was there was a purpose to it. I can understand that, and then, but I mean, later, it, you know, I, I, they're trying to make Shane more three dimensional, and that's admirable because in the book he kind of wasn't, in some ways, uh, at least not to this extent. And then later, when he, uh, he has a sexual harassment panda moment with uh, Lori, <laughs> he tries to like justify the, uh, you know that by saying that you know by telling everything that had gone on. Um, I, I enjoyed the episode overall. I thought it was really good. I thought uh, the guy who played Jenner was really, really interesting, and it just—it seemed like there was a lot, a, a lot, a lot of talking this episode. And I mean, we didn't even really see zombies until the very end, like you said, except for the flashback. So I've, I'll give it a four. I have some Twitter ratings. Uh, we went well. Buster on Twitter asked, "How many me's do you give it?" Uh, which was pretty funny. Yeah, it's cool that Buster has his own Twitter account now, and I'm actually kind of sad that I didn't think of that first. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Dane Ryder gave it five out of five. Harley Big Daddy gave it a five. Luthen gave it a four point five. Brad Z B gave it a four point five. Uh, Ducky is lost gave it a four point nine, only because she gives the pilot a five. Fisty LaRue gave it a 5 out of 5. And uh, I think that's it for ratings. So pretty strong. Uh, the, the, the Twitter following gives it some pretty strong ratings as well. I'm really happy to see this show being as widely accepted by the non-comic audience as it is. You know, 6 million viewers for this episode. I mean, Wow. Um, it just goes to show that uh, some stories, some comic literature, is actually that literature. I, I kept thinking um, bittersweet is the best way that I could describe watching the end of this episode because it was so good. They pulled it off. We got our Walking Dead television show, but it is over. Yes, so it is very sad. Uh, and, and you thank know, you. The, the Bob Dylan song was cool, but I still think it would have been almost cooler if this song was playing as they were driving away. Well, 
Brad, they have to hold on to something for season two. That's true. You know, we might hear that. Bear McCreary, if you're listening, uh, see if you can get the rights to uh, The Lonely Man, please. Brad will be a very happy man if it's that song playing with Buster walking away into the sunset. Yeah, they got to walk away. They have you know to have, like, do? a knapsack. I'm going to go um, cut together a couple of shots of zombies walking down the street to that music. <laughs> that'll be awesome. Yeah, that'll be cool, and I'll put it up. I'll put a link up on Twitter once I do that. That'll be awesome. So here's what we're going to do in this... Uh, well, we're not going to announce what we're doing for the whole 10 months quite yet, but for our next couple of shows, we are going to stay weekly. We're going to have our part two next week. We're going to get to all the great tweets, voicemails, and emails that we are getting for this finale. Maybe I'll ask some more questions on Twitter uh, that can generate some more feedback but we got a ton of feedback and you know we're already at what an hour and a half tonight so if we would have tried to jam it in it wouldn't have uh, made a lot of sense so we we spent our time on the episode which i think was a good idea next show we'll do all the feedback uh then we're going to kind of do like a season wrap-up show uh maybe we'll announce what we're going to do for next year and we have plans for when the dvd set comes out we have plans to talk about the comics so we'll get into that more. And we still have giveaways and hopefully some more interviews coming up and, uh, and a lot of good stuff. So there's no preview for next week, sadly. So I'm going to send this to Jordan for his snazzy ending. All right, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the first season of The Walking Dead on AMC as much as we did. Uh, you can send us an email at comments at walkingdeadtv.com. You can, of course, check out our other shows at Half Hour Wasted. Dot com or legionofdudes.com or hhwlod.com. Check out that feed. Lots of great shows for you there. You can send us a voicemail at 516-468-7912. And you can follow the show on Twitter at WDTV Podcast. Uh, I don't have we given out our personal Twitters as well? You can follow me at Jordan FRM Jersey. Mine is uh, Brad Milo at Brad Milo B R A D. M-I-L-Y-O. Uh, mine is uh, Yoda Jones, Y-O-D-A-J-O-N-E-S. I do not have a personal Twitter. I just hide under the WDTV banner. Well, and at LOD Tweet. LOD Tweet, man. You're, you tweet on that all the time. Yes, that is true. And, of course, you can follow at Half Hour Wasted as well for Brad's show on Mondays. Thank you. Yeah, and we're looking to... Uh, I enjoy the contests that are presents for new followers and iTunes reviews and stuff like that. So I think we're headed towards 500 Twitter followers at this point. Awesome. Yeah, I know we did the contest at 300, and then we went to 400 in like the blink of an eye. So now we're over 400. So when we get to 500, we're going to give away some more stuff. And uh, same goes for 100 iTunes reviews. When we hit those marks, we're going to run some more contests. So join in. You know, there's a lot of you out there, and we have no way of uh, interacting with you without things like Twitter and the reviews and, and uh, emails and voicemails and stuff like that. And another way we have to interact with you is Forum for Geeks. If you go to forumforgeeks.com, that's F-O-R-U-M-F-O-R-G-E-E-K-S.com, you can join the conversation, talk about all of our shows, a whole bunch of different podcasts. You can find the entire Walking Dead podcast network. I believe that's six shows at the moment. Uh, you can find links to interviews to the Walking Dead cast members and just find other cool Walking Dead content. Hey, guys, you know what I did 
just now while you were going all over that information? No. What, oh, you got together the, the video? No, I just bought the uh, high-def uh, season of Walking Dead Season 1 on iTunes. Very cool, sir. They've got, uh, for each episode, uh, it looks like they've got a inside the Walking Dead uh, little uh, featurette that goes along with each episode, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, they're cool. Uh, to be fair, they're the same exact ones they have on the AMC website, but they're in high def and they look really cool. And it's a, a cool look behind the scenes of the show. Talks with the with the cast and the crew exactly what they were feeling behind uh, some of the key scenes of the show. I can't wait for New York Comic Con next year when I get to ninja into another panel. <laughs> I'm excited for season two. Well, that's it for tonight's episode. Until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, tomorrow and the next season of The Walking Dead may be a long way away, but the next episode of The Walking Dead TV podcast is right around the corner. Have a good week, everybody. Good night. Brains. And brains to you, too. If today was not a crooked highway If tonight was not a crooked trail If tomorrow wasn't such a long time Then lonesome would mean nothing to you at all Yes, and only if my own true love was waiting If I could hear her heart is softly pounding Yes, and only if she was lying by me This is John, who was supposed to be third. No, you said Jordan, John, Brad. This is John. This is John. (laughs) I love it when we have bloopers. Jordan, am am I right, Jordan? (laughs) Yeah, because Jim was first, I was second, John was third. Am I right, Jordan? Yeah, you're right. Now, apparently the walkers uh, are pretty... Telephone. The walkers are calling for Brad. They've learned how to use a BlackBerry. So that's it for this episode. And so until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember. Remember. Remember, Rambo. It is the power of remember. Do you remember the 21st night of September? Let's try that uh, a third time.